podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode one of our special Euro 2020 editions of the Leeds That Podcast. What are we going to call this? Is it just the Euros? The Leeds That, yes. the Euros. Leads that the Euro special. There we go. That'll do. I'm Paul, and today I'm joined by James. Um, we're going to have a chat about what's gone on in the first round of group games. We're doing this after the France Germany game last night, before the second round starts. There's also been a few bits of Leeds United news of note this last week, so we'll get into that as well. I think the first place to start, really, let's start with Leeds United and the fixtures came out today. What what fixture do you look for first when the fixture list comes out? Well, the one I'd always look for, sometimes you have to hunt for a few seconds, but not this time. It's nice to see Scum away first game of the season. Yeah, it's funny. Some people are like, oh, you know, awful place to start. I think it's a great place to start. Yeah, you want to put the demons of last year's trip to Old Trafford behind us, don't you? And go there and smash them 6-2. That'd be handy. It would be very convenient if we could completely overturn that horrific deficit. And then we've got the... The Christmas from hell, as some people are calling it, with with a run of you know rivals that were playing, um, but we did all right in April. We'll t- we'll take a lot of belief from how we performed this season, won't we? I think so. There's no need for us to fear anyone at all in this league. We've seen that this year. I think it is just a case of using it as a bit of a learning ground, getting a bit of stability, and which I think we have. And hopefully, we, we haven't had any news yet on signing uh, a couple of players that we do have a few new arrivals and oh, then, we're, then we're away, aren't we? It's fun to chat about the fixtures and it's nice. I mean, we've got Liverpool on Boxing Day and things like that. It's great to see where some fixtures fall, but it can be summarised in, yeah, we're playing each team twice. That's Basically, it, isn't it? Basically, yeah. Everyone does get excited for it, but equally, you know they're going to come out and you know there's going to be a few dates where we're playing teams twice. So, yes. James, you also say, I, I didn't see this. There was a fire at Thorpe Arch. I saw, yeah, I saw somewhere someone had posted it. It was like an aerial shot of a HGV and it set on fire uh, right next to the training ground. I think they were, you know, there's loads of HGVs there at the minute delivering soil or whatever because they're resurfacing absolutely everything Leeds United at the moment, aren't they? Due to the pitches being, well, just old basically last year. And yeah, there was a fire. The whole cab was on fire. But nothing bad happened of it other than a wagon on fire. It's a PR cover up. Not really seen much on it, have we? They're quite good at that. I think they've got a great team at uh, portraying the club in the way that they want to be p- portrayed. Say no more. <laughs> exactly. Transfer rumours. You were you were having a little flirt, weren't you, on Instagram? Well, there's always names floating around, but no one really knows until something solid lands. And uh, yeah, there's Noah Lang and Kuna. Is it Kuna? Hakuna Matata. I presume that's how you, you pr- pronounce it. Who looks, yeah, unbelievable and... You would probably say, nah, he's not going to sign for Leeds, is he? But you just don't know. We didn't think Marcelo Bielsa would sign for Leeds, and yet here he is, and he's the sort of person that can help attract those sort of players. So, yeah, let's just see what happens. It's pointless speculating, isn't it? Everyone has hears so much on the rumour mill. So into the Euros then. How have you found this first week of games? you enjoyed it? Have you seen much of it? Are you feeling a buzz around the tournament? I, I am, sort of. It, it feels a bit flat, it being all around Europe, doesn't it? I think it, it, they're always better when they're in one place and it, is, it does feel like a festival of football. It, to be fair, it's been good. There's been some good games and yeah, the whole Ericsson incident, you know, nearer the start of the tournament was sh- absolutely shocking. And and I think in that moment, I was 
you know, obviously the England game was coming the next day. I was feeling a bit, ah, does it really matter? Like, you know, if something serious happens here, like tomorrow really doesn't matter. But then a couple of hours later, everyone hears the good news that he's doing well. And then you're like, right, come on, England game. And then when uh, that kicked off, it was into full-blown, it's coming home. So, I mean... I'm going to, the the festival of football phrase was, I think, actually their marketing for having it around Europe. Oh, God. Um, that's how they were branding it. But that was the adventure that I, I bought into, Matthew bought into, a few of our friends bought into, my brother. We, we tried to get tickets all over the place around our schedules. And if it had been last year in its original format, I know Matthew had, had weaved it into a, basically an interrailing trip around Europe. He was going... Copenhagen, Dublin, loads of places for games. And people were treating it as that kind of festival. Rome, we were, we were going to have a weekend in Rome and that was going to be a big do and it was going to be great. So I do have an element of, of sadness around the fact that it's not. But equally, when we're looking forward to Germany in a few years' time and then the World Cup in North America, we've all started talking, haven't we, about how great it'd be to, to get to go to some games yeah, I think it's just easier if it's in one country as well, isn't it? <laughs> Logistically. It, it can be, but when all the games were spread across Russia, it was probably easier to be doing the games <laughs> like in Ryanair-friendly destinations. Yeah, well, let's let's start with England then. On a, on a normal tournament, and I say normal, for the last 20 years where there's been no Leeds United involvement, are you a big avid England fan? Do you support them? Do you just get into it in the tournaments? Where do you stand with it? The friendlies are always pretty flat, aren't they? You know, I, well, I do kind of feel a bit sorry for Gareth Southgate in England because when we have friendlies, we get slated for being a bit poor. But really, they're sort of proofing ground as to whether the tactics that we're going to try and deploy and whether the team can play in a certain way, they just get tested out. And that, that's fundamentally all they are for because they don't play together a lot throughout the year, do they? So you have to use those as tests. And then when you get to the tournament, you start and you and you see a performance. You then get into it, don't you? You, you see a start. It was the same at the last World Cup. England before it, no one was bothered. They had a couple of good games, a couple of good results. Everyone is massively pumped up for it because you can see that they're playing in a different style. And and I think I probably followed the same the same path as everyone else in that. Yeah, I'm not really bothered, or I am bothered when it's coming up to it. But then I get really excited when it's when it's on and when England are about to play. Like I can't wait until Friday now to see us against Scotland. Yeah, it's, I, I I love tournaments when 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 they're up and running. But in, we all knew we knew what to expect from Calvin Phillips. We knew what to expect from from Ben White. It's exciting that they're in the squad together, etc. But what about other players? So in that game the other day, is there anyone who um, really stood out that impressed you that you thought, well, normally I don't think much of them at their club or anyone who you expected more from? We got the win. As long as you get the win, it doesn't matter. So a, a narrow win, but a deserved victory. What was your take on Sunday? No one stood out apart from Calvin Phillips. Did they really? Let's be honest. Well, Cal- Calvin Phillips was clearly the man of the match. And if, if you look at, there was a graphic that The Athletic uh, put up about pressures that, that they put and the zones that they did it. And I think he put the most pressure on play- people in every segment of the pitch. It was like 39 presses. The nearest one to yeah. him was 30, wasn't it? And he was doing it in everywhere. He did more than Declan Rice did in the defensive and the middle third, as well as up top. I, th- I think as much as like I'd, you'd probably want to talk about individuals, and it's easy to say that that Calvin had such a good game because he did, and he was by far our best player. You have to hand it to Southgate and his team because I think they actually tactically set us up really nicely. There was a there was a good article again on the Athletic by Michael Cox, who's a really good football analyst, and he's worth yeah reading his stuff because he's very good and. 
he'd sort of said that Phil Foden was used as a complete decoy, so he was coming deep for it all the time, and Phillips was basically overlapping, and they tried it throughout the game numerous of times, and it didn't pay off, but then the one time it did pay off led to Calvin Phillips assisting a, the, the best assist ever. Raheem Sterling didn't have to do anything really, did he? I had a discussion with a Burnley fan yesterday who said it wasn't even that good of an assist. that. <laughs> Like the pass wasn't that good because there was so much space, so it was easy. I was like, who do you think created this space? Like, yeah. You know, I just named someone at Burnley who could have done that, and they couldn't. Basically, I think Southgate, yeah, he, he's, he does a good job for England. You can't grumble with that. I think Calvin Phillips is undroppable now. He is, unless he has a shit game. <laughs> I mean, I'm in for the Scotland game, really. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll go with that partnership and, and see how it goes. And uh, I hope... That, I hope that we all know Calvin's got a lot of passion and occasionally smashes someone like that clip you got of the QPR one. There are a few tackles out there that just haven't been great. So hopefully, you know, when when he does that for his club, everyone will go, that was ridiculous, but we love you and we'll see you next week. When you all support different teams, it'd be easy to go, he's a joke, get him out. Like, Like people, I mean, we didn't like Beckham anyway, but Beckham for a long time after the 98 Simeone incident had a lot of rebuilding to do with a lot of people. In a way, the tackle on the last game of the season at home where he injured himself was probably what he needed. As risky as it was that he could have been out for the Euros, he's probably had a good long look at that thinking, yeah, I can't really lose my head, can I? <laughs> it doesn't yeah, do it doesn't true. do the team and it doesn't do me any favours. So I think hopefully he's probably learned from that. And yeah, you're right about Beckham. I was at Ellen Road uh, this season uh, after that World Cup, and I've never heard anyone get as much stick as that man. Some pretty disgusting abuse, really, that <laughs> David Beckham's got when I've been at games, not naming any names. Anyone else in and around the England setup other than Calvin Phillips impressed you? <laughs> I'm going to say it again, but I'm impressed that Southgate, <laughs> uh, this it sounds like a Southgate loving podcast, isn't it? But uh, I'm impressed that he didn't pander to anyone saying that he needs to play Grealish, he needs to play X, and in particular Grealish, because I'm I'm not so keen on cheering an England side that uh, that has him in it. I think for me, it's England shouldn't be about individuals, which it's very much been about in the past where managers have drafted in players to sort of save the day. Um, but it's not. It's kind of like, how do we win this game with this entire team, which I think is the right approach. It's how Bielsa approaches things as well. You know, there's no one person that, that, that drags us through and gets a result. It's kind of a collective. So moving on to other club, well, other clubs, other countries um, <laughs> that our our players have been representing, the bench warmer club. In the first round, we had Tyler Roberts and Robin Cock and Diego Llorente, who were all uh, failed to make an appearance from the bench. It was nice um, that Llorente finally got back in, though, after all the negative, well, positive COVID tests. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. For, and it was a lovely moment, wasn't it? That video where he was being applauded by his teammates. I don't yeah. know what they, they, were they just relieved that the the first one must have been a false positive, mustn't it? If you could then get all those negatives after, but great for him. It's great for these players, regardless, to be in and around these kind of big fixtures. Even for Tyler Roberts to be sat on the bench watching or being a part of a squad with those players in it, it can only be a good thing for Leeds United. The pressure of being in a tournament to a player is a good thing. You've got to think that all these people just being there and 
and being around like you say other other professionals that have got more experience than them is just good because they'll hopefully they'll just bring it back to the club and that'll take us to the next level that's ultimately what what we want and what i will say just backtracking a bit on on the england side of things is it's good that phillips is playing really well because it'll help us attract more players coming to the club as well Absolutely. Our stock and our profile has never been higher than, well, since 2002 semi-finals, it's not been a, as high. This is the peak Leeds United for, since in 20 years. Someone who did play, Johnny Alioski, did you manage to watch any of that? Uh, sadly, I didn't. I think they did really well, actually, Macedonia, and they were really unlucky probably deserved a draw out of it but then it got a bit nasty at the end and you could tell it was getting a bit nasty and um, an unfortunate part of the game and it's been been investigated but that because of Gianni Alioski's Albanian heritage and so it's Macedonia this is what happens in Europe and I'm not I'm not condoning any of it but this is what happens um where you've got Austria versus Macedonia and someone with Serbian heritage allegedly has had a pop at someone with Albanian heritage and that's the melting pot of europe but and and i think he's definitely said something offensive it's whether or not proven or accepted that he said something race racially fueled as well you don't want to say it's just Gianni on the wind up either because he must have wound him up the whole game but funny Gianni alioski fact is that there's an article on the bbc you know on every game on the bbc you could rate the players during the game and out of all the players that have been ranked in the first round Gianni alioski's Gianni alioski's received like the fourth highest rating out of anyone <laughs> for having a game that was relatively quiet and then just getting Leeds fans bumping him up. Uh, excellent. Did you watch Liam Cooper play for Scotland? Yeah, I did. I did watch that. Yeah, disappointing. To be fair, it should have at least been a draw. Well, we've been on the receiving end of these where you play pretty well, but it comes down to the quality of the opposition's finishing. And it, his I, finishing was pretty good, wasn't it? That was unreal absolutely unreal it was it was a, a beautiful both finishes were decent do you think Liam Cooper was at all at, at fault for the first goal it was I don't think it was specifically his man but he ended up charging in to try and get towards the the ball for that header yeah I did I did question that in the replay actually but I don't think so I just think the other person that was actually marking should have just done a better job yeah is it Grant Hanley I think I so. Think he gets a, a lot, a lot of stick from Scottish fans. A lot of people questioning beforehand why he was in the game. So no one's particularly been blaming Liam Cooper for that. I think he had a steady away performance, but the Scots are really. I'm not someone who's in the. I want the home nations to do well. I'm not someone who's in the camp of, I hate them, etc. Um, obviously, Friday night that goes out the the window. But I would be quite happy for. I want to have a vested interest further along in the tournament, although. I actually, you know, my granddad's Serbian and the Scots knocked, knocked them out on uh, on penalties, didn't they? So I would have had more of a vested interest had the had the Serbs qualified. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I felt sorry for Liam Cooper just because of you know people crying out for Kieran Tierney to come back in the squad and and does that muscle him out? Probably yes. Um, so I think I thought I was just a bit harsh on him because I don't think he had a particularly bad game. They're just they're not they're just not a great team. They're not a great side, are they? I watched like um on the BBC website there's like a tactical cam view and you can look at it from behind the goal and I saw uh, it might have been Robertson surging out of defence at one point with the ball on the wing and just no one else was moving with him. I just thought like you just would not I think that's part of it as well. Is you would not get that in a Bielsa side. You would not get everyone moving and running with a player. And then when you see a team that just isn't working well together, it it sticks out. I think we've been spoiled and it comes back to it again because during the England game, 
when Croatia were having a spell of possession, they said, you can't press for 90 minutes. There's going to be times when the opponents have to have a spell of pressure because you can't press and you've got to choose when to do it. I was like, says who? <laughs> you oh, know, no, yeah. we're so fit. We're but so fit, we do it. That That's precisely it though. And that's why, you know, 95% of people who watch football, that has become their opinion. And Bielsa's opinion opposes that. And he gets players into the prime physical condition so they can oppose that view. And that's why Calvin made 39 presses more than anyone else and was, ran the most distance in that game. Perfect. Mateusz Klick also played uh, in a losing, a, a surprise losing effort for the for the Poles. I did, I saw the first half of that, which was the, the nil-nil part. I thought he made some good little bits of movement in and around, maybe nearly opened things up. But I've, I've seen that, I think, as was reflected for his club form, perhaps in during the season or the second half, that maybe he did tire during this game. Did you get a chance to see any of it? Yeah, I did see it. And uh, yeah, there's part of me that does think that because Click for a time was just, he was the engine, wasn't he? He was the he was what Calvin Phillips was doing in our game against um, Croatia. And yeah, he seems to have lost a bit of that. I don't know whether it's a tactical thing, whether it's tactically changed for him in some way, particularly for Poland. But yeah, he just seems a little bit off it. And I thought Poland were unlucky as well, to be honest. They sending off killed it, didn't it? So Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Overall, then, we've said we're going to do a little feature, dentist chair, like a, special, <laughs> a special moment, like Gaz's volley against Scotland in 96 and the celebration. What has been yours this week? Uh, dentist chair moment. Um, there's nothing like funny that sticks out, but just that goal, you know, for um, Czech Republic against Scotland, it was pretty unreal, wasn't it? There's always, there's, there tends to be in a tournament a goal that s- sticks out. There's a few that spring to mind. Uh, do you remember that sort of diving salmon header Van Persie did for Holland a few yeah. years ago? That that sort of thing. So I think that's that's sticking out so far. The what annoying about thing about it is that we played football on Monday night. Well, you won't be annoyed because you were on the other team, but <laughs> it was clear that everyone in their head was like, and I bet this has been up and down in amateur football all week. Everyone thinking, is the keeper off the line? Is the keeper off the line? I'll tell you, I, I want to try and pick a different moment, but that was so, this isn't a special moment, but the Ericsson thing, I think that will be one of the clearly one of the defining moments of the tournament and hopefully and thankfully I'll say that the special moment there was the speed and the ability of which anybody related to the medical recovery and treatment of Christian Eriksen was able to save his life and if that has I've seen from there that seems to have shone a light on the requirement for defibrillators and treatment at grassroots level so if christian erickson collapsing and having his life saved on global television leads to lives being saved on a sunday or saturday afternoon then that is a pretty special moment i would quite happily take erickson out of the hospital bed and put him in the dentist chair (laughs) i'm sure he would as well so i don't think it's a sacrifice he wanted to make but in any this is how I see things in life. If and when any kind of adversity that you get, if you could take positives to to move forwards, then clearly that's what they're going to look at with this one. The next, the last thing, a brolly moment. Ode to the Wally with the brolly. Who has been daft this week? My Wally with the brolly is. Uh, did you see that Greenpeace protest last night? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone didn't see it, just have a look. See if you can find footage of it. But someone parachuted into. Um, the Germany game and I think they were protesting it was Greenpeace wasn't it and I think they were yeah 
it looks like they were potentially protesting against, uh, you know, Volkswagen, one of the one of the sponsors of the well, the main sponsor of the tournament, and their use of fuels and selling uh, diesel cars still. And uh, they parachuted in, but I think they hit the wire that has the the cap that has the camera that sort of cranes yeah. across the pitch, and they spiraled out of control. And they are so lucky that they haven't like really hurt themselves or anyone else. Do you know the the, the nicest bit about that again was that instantly the player I, I don't know if it was Rudiger, but someone went straight over to to ask them if they were okay and pick them up. They didn't go and like you might have been terrified if you were on that pitch and someone's like you're you're in your work environment and someone has just trespassed completely so it was nice that his human nature was to check that they were all right rather than to you know something who was it when the like streaker ran on someone like got him an headlock or clothesline him <laughs> or knocked him out sort of thing so it was good that that was more of their reaction maybe My, maybe, maybe to the camera he was like you know putting an arm around him but in his ear he's like you bloody idiot you've almost yeah. had that bloody hands off someone with that propeller on the back of you it was it was uh the, the managers won it they were, they were like what was that uh, did didier Deschamps look like he'd had some sort of shard of a seat hit him or something it was worried that it was going to take a tiny bit of his hair off my uh wally with brawley moment is linked to that it's the um you've said about the <laughs> about the fuel and the Volkswagen sponsors. It's the car, the car <laughs> with the ball in it. That was so funny. The memes as well. It's brilliant. Actually, to be fair, an honourable mention on the memes, the other meme this week is the uh, Marshall, the goalkeeper, good jumping into the net like the Spider-Man oh, yeah. ones and stuff. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty meme-tastic first round. Maybe, tournament, maybe tournaments just are meme generators. So I've enjoyed that first round. What are you looking for? Before we leave, what are you looking for in this next round of fixtures? What are the standout things that you're hoping to see? Uh, I, do, do you know what? To be honest, all I've been focusing on is England and, and Calvin. Like It's just reminded me how lucky we are to have him. The fact that he stayed, you know, that extra season and, and where things have gone in the space of a year, it's amazing. So I am just really excited about the England game. Sorry if any, oh, you know, because we have quite a lot of listeners over in Ireland and it's pretty boring us talking about England all the time, isn't it? But yeah, for me, it's that. Why didn't Northern Ireland qualify? That's what I want to know. Anyways, yeah, I'm looking forward to the England game on uh, tonight. I'm looking forward to seeing that just a few of these teams that uh, if you if you didn't win in that first game, needing to get out there, getting some points on the board. It's the, the second game changes the dynamic, doesn't it? And um, particularly as two, four of the third place teams qualify, but only two of them have got points so far. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting round. So we will be back again after the next round of fixtures or so with uh, some more thoughts on how things are going. Hope you're enjoying the football. Hope the weather, well, the weather looks like it's going to turn, but you're allowed indoors a bit now so you can uh, potentially watch some of these games at the pub, etc. If that's your thing, have a good one. Keep in touch and we'll speak soon. Network.